This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning. Welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on AM 740. Um, This morning is September 28th. In some minds, the greatest day in Canadian hockey sports history. And without further ado, we have on the line... Paul Henderson, one of the heroes of that series. Good morning, Paul. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you this morning? I am fabulous. What a great, great day. Uh, Very quickly, Paul, when you wake up on September 28th, uh, I know it's not a special anniversary today, it's the 42nd, but uh, in the minds of so many millions of Canadians, uh, we all remember where we were on this day 42 years ago. When you wake up on September 28th, does it mean anything extra special? Well, it does. There's no question about it, because uh, almost every day you hear stories of where people were uh, and what they were doing. And so, uh, and obviously, the highlight of my whole athletic career. So it certainly is a a special day. I had a grandson that uh, got engaged two nights ago, and I said, man, you should have waited the 28th, and that would have been really special. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So, yes, it is a special day for the Henderson family. Paul, let's go back to the winning goal. I'm sure you've uh, rehashed this many, many a times over the past number of years. How did you get in your mind to take Pete Mahovlich off the ice and get him off the ice on your winning goal? Well, it was totally spontaneous. Like, it was not premeditated at all. I just found myself. It was almost like a an out-of-body experience. Uh, uh, like, I never, ever did it before that, and I never, ever did it again. Uh, but something, maybe because I'd scored the winning goals in the two previous games, and, you know, we just had to win this series. And so I took a big chance and uh, started yelling at Peter Mohovlich, and thank goodness uh, he thought it was a coach yelling at him and came off. But can you imagine if I'd have done that and the Russians would have gone down and scored and we'd have lost the series? You see, I would be talking to a group in Siberia today, not Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about risk-reward, uh, that was the situation. But something within me just seemed to impel me to want to get on the ice. Paul, the month of September 1972 was really really a remarkable, uh, remarkable month in hockey. And we have so many incredible memories, not, not just of Game 8, of game one, of game four, of game five, uh, I mean, every game in that Summit Series was so unique in, in so many different ways. Uh, does it still amaze you that, 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 that game eight in that series is so important to an entire generation of Canadians? 
Well, I tell you what it was for us. I'll tell you what, uh, uh, fear is a wonderful motivator. Because uh, I said <laughs> to my wife, if we don't win the last three games, this after we lost the first game in Moscow, and actually I got ahead of concussion in that game, they sh- I should never have been allowed to play, but that was, of course, we didn't <laughs> understand the, uh, you know, the damage from concussions back then. But I, I said to her that we've got to win the last three games, so we're going to be known for lo- as losers for the rest of our lives. And and uh, I, I am so thankful for the 3,000 Canadian fans that came over there because they rallied around us. Uh, it was unbelievable. They out-cheered uh, the Russians and got behind us and you know we were able to persevere and uh, it's the old story you never give up and so we um, but I've been riding that one goal for 42 years and <laughs> good for you, you. Been a really good ride <laughs> and you should ride it it was so important uh, Paul uh, how uh, the day and age of uh, technology now you can get a uh, message to people instantaneously did you know when you were playing there in in the, in the Soviet Union how much of a rea- what kind of a reaction there was back home with the people here? Oh, well, we had a, a partial idea, but nothing of the magnitude uh, that happened. Like yesterday, I did a thing for uh, road hockey for cancer, and last night we had the the gala dinner for uh, uh, Hazel McCallie and her uh, retirement party out here. And I, you know, I probably talked to fifty people, <laughs> new people that had to tell me where they were and what they were doing. And I've never tired of that. You know, the wonderful thing about 72 is it was win-win for everything. There's no downside to it. It was a win for NHL hockey. It was a win for Canada. It was a win for all the hockey players on the team and certainly for the pride of our country. And, and several, even women last night, older women, uh, one woman came up to kiss me on the cheek and says, Paul, it was one of the greatest days of my life. And, and she was older, you know, she was older than me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty satisfying. There's no question about it. And uh, it, the fact that it's, it's lived on this long, it, it astounds all of us on Team Canada. None of us in a million years would have ever believed that would have lived on. And, uh, you know, I, I get I get as much fan mail today as I did back when I played with the Leafs. So, uh, it, uh, like I said, it's been very satisfying. It's uh, it's interesting. Satisfying uh, is... Uh... An understatement, uh, certainly uh, from our perspective. Uh, we were there and we were watching it, and our generation, uh, certainly everybody remembers exactly where they were that day. Um, but you became a national hero overnight. And um, was that ever, uh, I, I know that uh, in, in, the, in the near future, in the future just after that, you sort of found a different way in your life. Was it, was it ever a burden being a national hero? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was too much, too fast, uh, and it just came on me uh, like there was no preparation for me. I mean, I was a good hockey player, one of the better hockey players, the teams that I played on, but I wasn't a superstar or anything like that. And then all of a sudden, this accolades come, and everybody wanted me to do everything here and there, and it was. And uh, we were, my wife and I, we are pretty private. Well, my wife is certainly a private person, and tried to. And she, our home was our oasis, away from the game, and she protected uh, our family from the game of hockey and the uh, and all the you know interruptions, and it just totally uh, discombobulated us because everybody wanted us to do this, do that, and everything like that. And you know, in hindsight, I, I don't think I handled it all that well. 
uh, I had no spiritual dimension to my life uh, at that point. I, I didn't become a Christian until 1975, and I think if I would have had a, a spiritual side of my life, I probably would have handled it a lot better because, uh, you know, when everything was good, I was high as a kite. When things were bad, I was lower than a snake's belly. And that's a terrible way to live your life. Uh, and uh, since becoming a Christian, I've learned that you've got one day at a time, uh, live it to the best way you can, and uh, treat people with respect, and don't, you know, don't think you're any better than anybody else. And and the older you get, you realize the more you help other people, the better it goes for yourself. And so, um, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I handled the best way I could at the time, but I certainly handled it a lot better after I developed the spiritual side of my life. You have probably many stories, Paul, over your hockey career. You went through the Team Canada. You went through Harold Ballard, the Birmingham Bulls, the old dirty Birmingham Bulls team. And uh, you probably have many, many stories that uh, you can talk about. Uh, uh, how did you feel about your career? Well, I had a great career. I played 18 years. And the good thing about it, my wife was a hockey fan. She loved going to the games, loved watching me play, and as our children did also. So there's nothing but good memories. It's amazing when you when you play hockey that you, you don't want to get traded. Like, I, I was devastated when I was traded from Detroit to Toronto at the time. But then I came to Toronto, and it was just such a great experience here. I think as a Canadian, you know, and it, with my personality, I love the spotlight. I love the, uh, you know, the pressure of playing in, in Toronto. I think I've always done better under pressure. And so for me, it, Toronto was a great place to play. And then... Ballard drove me crazy, and then we ended up in, down in Birmingham, Alabama, and we loved it down there. And so, you know, after it was all over, Eleanor, uh, you know, we said, man, I wish maybe we would have traded a couple of more times because every place we went, we seemed to just enjoy it incredibly. And it's a new experience. You meet new people, uh, new cultures even, going in Alabama. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, Birmingham, Alabama was a big cultural change. And we were down there eight years, and we came back to Canada in 84. And Canada had changed unbelievably. Uh, 76 to 84, I mean, we come back and we heard languages we'd never heard before. We've always lived in Mississauga. And so, and so you know, you learn, you grow in those situations when you're out of your comfort zone. And, uh, and through that all, our family really became close. And uh, so... A good experience. Uh, you know, I, I tell kids today, you know, if you can make a, a hockey a career, it's, it's just a great game. Keep your feet on the ground. Do the best you can every day. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And uh, you'll enjoy it. Paul, uh, you're, you're certainly a very spiritual man. And, uh, and um, if uh, you were to talk to players who are just starting their NHL careers in the next couple of weeks, what would you tell them? What would you say to them? What would they be? What would they? What would they be looking forward to? How they? Sh how should they handle it? What advice would you give them? Well, first thing I tell them is enjoy yourself. Uh, hockey is a game, and if you can make a living at it, it that is uh, it is terrific. Uh, and but you got to relax and go out there and have fun. Because if you put too much pressure on yourself, it's all about winning and losing. Uh, it, it, it's a terrible, it's too big a weight for anybody. But the fact of the matter is, uh, I, I think, you know, the Lord tells us we're supposed to, doesn't matter what we do, we're supposed to do it to the best of our ability. So I would tell them, you know, uh, don't slack off. I mean, get yourself in the best physical shape that you can. The other thing I'd tell them is listen to your coaches. Listen to your 
uh, your teammates and become a team player. Everybody knows who uh, the team players are and who are the Lone Rangers and are out there for themselves. And so uh, it, it's amazing in life, the older you get, the more you give away, the more it comes back. You know, like a smile, you know, like a whole lot of things. And so I would tell them, go out there and uh, your teammates would know, now there's a guy that comes to play. He's a team player. And obviously, everybody's going to have a bad game. And don't beat yourself up when you, you know, things don't go well because they're not going to go well every day. Because, but the wonderful thing about hockey is the next game, you could be, you know, you score a hat trick and you're the star of the game and you're right back on, on top again. So my advice to them is to give it your best shot. Every time you go out on the ice, make sure your teammates uh, uh, know that you're a team player. And uh, just enjoy the process. Man, we live in the best country in the world, and the opportunity to be a professional hockey player is just such a wonderful, wonderful gift. So don't, uh, don't miss the uh, enjoying yourself along the way. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. It's September 28th, the 42nd anniversary of Game 8 in Moscow. On the line with us, the hero of that game, Paul Henderson. Paul, you certainly had uh, arguably the most brilliant week of, of a Canadian hockey player in hockey history, and um, that was an uh, an incredible. You 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 took us to a, a level that we had never experienced before, and the debate comes up every year. And I know I I, I know what your what your take on it is that we always talk about whether Paul Henderson should be in the uh, in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And there's people that have strong opinions on both sides of that debate. And I've read your opinion. You you don't you don't believe that you should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, although you are sensitive to the fact that a lot of us, including the two people sitting behind these microphones, think that, that you should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But you are in the International Hockey Hall of Fame. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, what, what a great time it was. Uh, that was a year ago, June, and, uh, and it was really neat. It was really satisfying. We had uh, two of our really couple of friends of ours went over, and, and actually we took uh, my, my grandson and uh, one of my buddy's daughters on that trip, and they just got engaged this week. Uh, they'd only met three days before, but uh, we went over there, and Matt Sundin was in, and uh, Peter Forsberg and Temple Newman were also inducted. And we spent a week over in uh, in uh, you know, Stockholm and had a great time, but the best has to be. I don't know it, but the day, you know, the induction, they bring out, and to introduce Paul Henderson, Vladislav Trekchak comes out. And Vladdy, uh, you know, I know him pretty well, and he said some nice things about me, but then there was a pregnant pause, and he said, you know, Paul, I've looked at those replays over and over, and I know why you scored that last goal. And then he pauses and he says, Paul, it was very bad goaltending. And <laughs> yeah. just brought the place down. You know, then he came over and gave me a, a big hug. And it was so neat, to, you know, our great adversary. And I've gotten to know Tretiak over the years, a wonderful, wonderful man. But that was the highlight, having uh, Tretiak come out and introduce me and obviously say some very nice things about me but it was uh, once again my wife was there uh, my wife of uh, 51 years Eleanor uh, it was the best thing that ever happened to me and then a grand uh, a grandson and his future wife were there so uh, it was a just a terrific terrific time Paul let's go back to the grassroots I met you last uh, winter in a hockey tournament a juvenile hockey tournament that my son played in in Lucknow Ontario and um 
You know, the, it was everybody was impressed, especially the kids coming back and how you talked to every single kid during that tournament. It's amazing what you've brought back to the uh, to the community that you came from. Please explain the grassroots that you came from. Well, a little village of Lucknow, uh, less than a thousand people up uh, near Godridge, Ontario. My father worked for the railway, and he was the uh, station uh, station agent. And uh, back in the 50s uh, and uh, 60s, it, it was just one of the best places in the world to grow up. We, uh, we could go fishing, get up in the morning in the summertime, and you'd leave the house. Your parents were never concerned about you at all. And, and we played all the sports. There was no television uh, you know, before that. And so we were outside all the time in the summertime. And uh, it was just a great way of life. And uh, and we were very poor, and uh, but most of the people in town were. I mean, I didn't like the fact that I didn't. We didn't have much, but uh, it was just a great way to to grow up. A very, uh, just a great part of the country, and so that's where my start came from. Uh, actually, my first coaches were Chinese family, uh, the Chin family, and they were <laughs> incredibly great little hockey players. But they were too small to play in the NHL, but. They sort of took me under my wing and uh, and started it off. And so my roots were there. All my minor hockey, I played there. And I remember the people that drove us to different places and all the road hockey. Yesterday, uh, it, when I was down talking to the, you know, the road hockey for cancer, uh, cancer cure, I said that was the only time in my life where I was the best hockey player uh, because it was only five of us in the little village that we played on the street all the time. And I was definitely... <laughs> <laughs> the best player yeah. uh, uh, on the road when we played. And so a lot of great memories. And my wife comes from that area also. She's from just down the road, uh, Dungannon, on a farm. And so we go back there every year, and there are just some great people up there. Eleanor's she has two brothers that still live in the area, one in Lucknow and then one out on the farm near Dungannon. And so uh, we go up there every year. Uh, we go up and spend the weekend and... And two of my buddies that uh, we've all been married to 50 years, and we get together. The six of us have a dinner every year, and uh, so it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful time. The heritage is there, and I'm very, very proud that uh, you know Lucknow is my hometown. Uh, Paul, uh, uh, we have with us this morning Paul Henderson on the 42nd anniversary of the eighth game in Moscow. Thanks so much, Paul. Just I know that you've got a busy day ahead of you. We won't keep you much longer. Um, you are a national hero to so many of us, and, and because you're a national hero, we're, we worry about you. you. We know that uh, you had some health issues, and uh, please tell us how you're doing. Well, I was diagnosed in uh, November of '09, and uh, I was diagnosed with uh, lymphocytic lymphoma chronic leukemia. And uh, uh, I did everything in the world to try to beat cancer from the inside, uh, really get on a a regime of exercise and uh, foods and supplements and everything like that. But, uh, but it, it, I, uh, we weren't able to stop it. And I was really fortunate. Uh, two years ago, I was uh, almost 25 pounds lighter than I am today, and I was getting disfigured with uh, uh, lymphoma. But I got into a clinical trial down in uh, Bethesda, Maryland, at the uh, National Institutes of Health. And it was like winning the lottery to get in there and basically became a lab rat and uh, but it has really gone well. I still have cancer, but the, the, uh, this drug I'm on is uh, holding it at bay at this point. And so uh, 
uh, we're doing uh, pretty well. But like we say, we take one day at a time, try to enjoy it the best way we can. And my quality of life is pretty good. There's side effects to everything. Uh, there's no question about that. And some are not that great, but uh, you deal with them. And so uh, I'm very, very fortunate. And uh, hopefully someday we're going to find a cure for this. At this point, there's uh, no cure for what I have. Uh, it'll eventually get me at some point. But you know, I'm 71. I have no complaints. My dad died at 49, and so uh, I've had a wonderful life. And uh, I just, at this point in life, I just refuse to have a bad day. I wake up in the morning. Okay, I got today. We'll live it the best way we can. And if tomorrow, and I unashamedly ask for help every day, like I did. Okay, Lord, I obviously am in over my head here, but you make so many promises to me, and I unashamedly ask for help. And and uh, down the road we go. But I probably have a couple of thousand people that pray for me every day. I, it's just amazing uh, when I go out there and people tell me, you know, Paul, uh, you know, I I love you and, uh, uh, you know, 72. And so I pray for you all the time. <laughs> it amazes me. Paul. How many people tell me that they're praying for me. And so I think that's one of the reasons that we are still kicking and uh, down the road we go. Paul, we know uh, you've certainly got two gentlemen here, Naz and Wally, that uh, are you're constantly in our thoughts and prayers, and we wish you all the best. Uh, we thank you for uh, for all the incredible memories that you've left um, with so many millions of us. Um, it's been a joy talking to you this morning and reliving those memories. We can only say from the bottom of our hearts, we wish you all the best and the best of health as long as possible. Thanks so much for joining us. We really, really appreciated this. Yeah, my pleasure, boys. God bless you. Thank you, Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Paul. Bye-bye. That was Paul Henderson. Uh, some fantastic memories, Naz. Um, where were you? Where'd you watch the game in 72? Because uh, we, all, we all remember where we were. Uh, I was playing football at that time. In a junior game, so I really didn't see it. Oh, I was on a bus with uh, playing junior football. They didn't cancel we, the game? They didn't cancel the game, but everybody else got to watch it anyway. <laughs> I did see bits and pieces. We were in uh, grade 10, Emory Collegiate. Um, I'm, uh, this may be an admission. Hopefully my ex-teachers aren't listening, but I cut classes that day and skipped school and went off to a buddy of mine's house, Danny, to, to watch the game, and then afterwards... Uh, Went crazy, drove downtown, and uh, had a lot of fun. Uh, certainly remember that goal and Foster Hewitt's call, uh, call for the ages. Uh, remember a couple of those words, Naz, at all? Yeah, I do. Henderson takes a wild stab at you. You wanted me to do my Foster Hewitt impression. Do Hewitt impression. But just tell <laughs> me the words then. Yeah, I'm sure you remember the words. Took well, a stab at it. He scores. Henderson has scored for Canada. Yeah, it was it was terrific. Foster Hewitt was really good, and you know we were talking about this earlier. Uh, just listening to that goal, by the play by play by Foster Hewitt, goosebumps all over, and it happens every time I listen to it. I listened to it four or five times this morning, and every time it was an absolutely amazing time. And people, you know, the some of the young people that are around don't understand what happened back in '72. It basically shut the country down. This game, everybody watched it. It was absolutely remarkable. Anyways, another, uh, we've had Paul Henderson. We're going to go to break. And when we come back from break, hopefully we have the other, I wouldn't say the other, uh, another, uh, the, the great hero from that series as well. Paul, Paul Henderson got a lot, of, uh, a lot of the glory for his three game-winning goals. But uh, 
the heart and soul of that team was Phil Esposito. Oh, no question. Phil Esposito. And uh, Phil Esposito in that series probably played hockey at a level that is comparable to anybody who ever played the game. And uh, we're looking forward to having him on the line right after the break. It was a rainy day when Peterville asked, how much loyalty is there in the world anymore? Well, about 14 inches, we figure. Introducing Pizzaville's new loyalty program. After your sixth order, you'll receive a large 14-inch pizza of your choice free with your seventh order. You scratch our back, we feed your face. Find out more at pizzaville.ca. That's pizzaville.ca. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Vaughn. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alt Infinity the captain's choice. Alt Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740 radio. Uh, today is September 28th, 42 years ago today in Moscow, in the then Soviet Union, Communist Russia, was uh, the infamous Game 8. Paul Henderson scored the winning goal, I believe, with 54 seconds. But we have with us this morning, who I consider to have been the heart and soul of that team, uh, certainly the best player in that series, as far as I was concerned, uh, Phil Esposito. Good morning, Phil. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. Thank you so much for joining us. Okay. Uh, we just had, we just finished uh, 10, 15 minutes with, uh, with Paul Henderson, and we are oh, talking. Yeah? yeah, we just had some fun with Paul. And, uh, cool. He's uh, uh, doing, uh, doing well. He's, he's, he's facing his challenges head on, and we just 
Wished yeah. him the best. I'm going to see him, actually, next uh, Thursday Fantastic. in St. Catharines. We're having a little banquet up there, and and Paulie's going to be there, and I'm going to get to see him again. So uh, it'll be fun. Uh, Phil, um, it's 42 years ago today. When you wake up on, uh, on September 28th, uh, does it mean anything special to you? Uh, well, listen, no, it doesn't, to be no, honest no, with you. and we appreciate your honesty. I'm sorry? And we appreciate your honesty. I mean, it doesn't be. It's 42 years ago, man. And the th- there are certain dates that mean a lot to me. November 7th, because I got traded from Boston <laughs> to New York. I remember that date pretty well. But, of course, September 28th. But until people mention it, I'm not, I don't... Take it as a yeah. as a serious day. That's all I remember is that it was over with, and I was very happy that it was over with. Even though we went on to uh, uh, the Czech Republic and played in Prague, and then it was called Czechoslovakia, and um, uh, we played in, in Prague that game. Uh, I think we tied it. You tied three I can't even th- remember that, but because I don't remember going to Prague <laughs> as much. I think the score was anything th- else. I, I did get my nose broken there. Yeah. I remember, I got a stick in the, in the face. So, but um, look, <clears throat> there are other other things happened. Other things, you know. I mean, yeah. May twenty or uh, September twenty eighth, uh, obviously, will be something that'll I'll be reminded until the day I I die. So, let, let me ask you, Phil. Fine. Yeah, let me ask perhaps from a different from a different angle. Um, from the fans' angle, does it does it still amaze you that uh, that that game is in series is so important to so many millions of Canadians? Do you find that well, shocking I after forty two years? It's still important to a lot of Canadians, but I since going back to Russia on the fortieth anniversary yeah. and been back about six times now, I can't believe how it's so important to the to the Russians. Um, last time I was there. I'm sitting with a guy named Scotty McPherson, also a Canadian boy, and we're sitting there and at a at a restaurant and having lunch, and this car goes by, and uh, there's my face and picture <laughs> on a car. Wow! With Tretiak, with Vlad, and and I'm thinking, what? It's forty some years ago, and they're putting my picture on the thing. And um, I, I mean, that part of it amazes me. And getting to know some of the people over there, and they think that that was the greatest series ever, and it was, without a doubt, the one thing that got the Russians to be more involved with hockey than they were before. And they... I mean, I've watched a lot of KHL games and a lot. They're playing hockey over there like we played in the 70s. And we're playing hockey like they did now, like they did in the 70s. That's now, interesting. Let people decide which would they like better. That's interesting how that's changed. Now, we yeah, all go... because uh, let's not forget, these guys trained uh, for, what, years? I was told by Yakashev that as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, every Every summer, they would take that same team, basically, take them into Moscow for four to six weeks, and learn and train on how to beat the Canadians. 
Uh, I, I mean, you think about that, and they did it for 10 years. Uh, Phil, I've got to ask you, um, you're, you were uh, quoted as saying uh, you were a little disappointed at the, uh, at the Sochi Olympics because the Russians honored, honored their 72 team at those, Olympic, uh, at those Olympics, but we, we didn't honor our 72 team. And, um, and, yeah, and that, I'm I, disappointed I, in a lot of things yeah. that the Canadian government has done. And I, I mean, I've talked to the Prime Minister head on, and he says, Unfortunately, there's no money unless it's the 25th anniversary or the 50th anniversary. Because we tried to get him involved in our 40th anniversary, and he did. He actually came to the banquet we had in, in, in Toronto, and he did come and he did support us. But he said they don't honor anybody except for 25 in, in 50 years. And I said, well, 50 years comes, most of us will be gone. Yeah. So I said, why wait? You know, this is a big one for the Russians. It was a big one for us. And quite frankly, when we went overseas to Russia, all us guys, we were treated like, like gods. And I was so impressed, and so was the other guys that were there. And, and which is fine, and if that's how they wanted to do it, that's fine with me. And you know, I mean, don't sweat off our noses. Your interview with Johnny Esau back after Game Four, I believe, in Vancouver, goes down in history, in Canadian hockey history, as the most important interview ever. Yeah, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> who knew? You know, I still watch that on clips, and I, and I have said this, and then Phil. I've never seen a guy take a team on his shoulder. Like, a, he, you took that team of stars, the 72 guys, and you took them on your shoulders. And you were absolutely incredible in that series. Well, thank you very much. You know, the funny thing was that, uh, uh, as you know, you reflect back on things. I mean, you think about it. I had scored 71, 76 goals the year before. I hated you scoring most I mean, of them against the Leafs. People didn't think that I was uh, a good player. They thought I was okay, but I had Bobby Orr, which is true. And before that in Chicago, I had Bobby Hull, which is also true. But, uh, listen, a guy takes advantage of playing with great players, you know what uh, I mean, Phil. You are you are a great you are a great player, and in my books, uh, arguably the best center in in, uh, in NHL history. Um, well, I appreciate that. Uh, there, there's and, no and, question and, about that's that. Very nice. But let me tell you this, and I said this before. I won the Stanley Cup that year. I won the MVP. Won the scoring championship. Was first All Star. We were playing for nothing. What the hell are they going to do to me? Nothing. Somebody had to say something. Somebody had to say something, not only to the fans, but to the fact that we were so ill-prepared. And we should have never been that ill-prepared. They should have never put us in a situation like that without us being at the tip-top our conditioning, tip-top of, of being a team. And so most of us thought it was going to be like an all-star game. And imagine our surprise in Montreal with 93-degree temperature, no air conditioning at the Forum at the time. And, uh, and we score, you know, we're up to nothing in the first period. And all of a sudden, these guys start turning it on. 
And uh, no one, no one told us that they were able to play like they played. And believe me, sitting on that bench in the forum that night, I'm thinking to myself, holy cripe, these guys are good players. And how are we going to get ourselves, how are we going to get ourselves totally ready so that we can win this? And I remember walking to the press conference with, with Sinden after the, after the game, and because it was, uh, they picked me, and and I said to Harry, I said, if we don't get our, you got to get this get, bunch of guys. We got thirty five guys. We can't all play. I don't care who you pick. If it's not me, that's fine. But we, got, you cannot be screwing around here. We've got to have a team, and the only way to beat them is to become a team. And if we don't become a team, we're going to lose. And and then so, you know, we played in Toronto. He got a team together, went to Winnipeg, and he, he kept my brother in net in Winnipeg, and we tied. And, and my brother and the goaltending specifically, Tony and Kenny, they weren't prepared to play each game, every game, because it was too early in the season for him, you know? And forwards, we can get away with a little bit. Defense get away with a little bit less. And uh, but goaltending, you can't get away with it, Phil. And I just was kind of angry at myself for not taking this as seriously like we should have. And uh, eventually, I mean, when the booing and I saw Billy Goldsworthy's face and and uh, how absolutely devastated he was. I mean, and a couple of the other guys, I it just peed me off. <laughs> what when, can I say? When, when did that when did that series um turn around? When when did when did you when did you re- I, my personal feeling is the series turned around when we went to Sweden. We were so everybody seemed to be against us. I remember putting uh, in my hotel room seeing some of the newspapers about uh, we were the Italian, uh, we were the Canadian mafia, and <laughs> we were hitmen, and we were not good prepared. We all things, as far as the preparation was concerned, were true, but the rest of it absolutely untrue. And yeah, we played we played like animals in Sweden, but we gave what we got, and people still refuse to believe that. I played against a lot of players in my career. And uh, this, that two games against the Swedish teams was as dirty uh, as I've ever encountered as a player, for sure. I mean, I did things I never did before in my life, but I got things done to me that I couldn't believe. And um, But we became a team there. We really did. We became uh, a team that was... We rallied around the fact that nobody cared for us. The people back home were yelling and screaming at us. Everybody was disappointed. Everybody. So, you know, I, I think that, to me, that's when we became a team. In the first game in Russia, we were ahead, and we ended up losing because, quite frankly, that East German referee, and I can remember his name, is Kampala. Kampala. Uh, Never Joseph. forget him we as ran. long as I live. Nobody in Canada will ever forget him. 
this guy was this guy was downright dishonest. Yeah. And he was dishonest because he was East German, or whatever he was, and I'm sure that his family and everything else was threatened. Hey, look, it's changed over there. Absolutely, absolutely, it's changed. In fact, they're they're more capitalistic than the yeah. United States yeah. or Canada, for sure. And uh, personally, I like that. And I, I just thought that as players. We just had to do what we had to do. And I kept kept saying that. But well, finally, Harry kept the guys together, and then Vic Hadfield goes home, and I guess Gilbert uh, uh, Perrault, and, and they get ridiculed, which was absolutely unnecessary, because I will tell you this right now. If I wasn't playing, I would have never stayed in Russia. Never. Well, Phil, I've got to ask you, um, Game 8, it's 5-3 to three Russia, or Soviet Union, going into the third period. Um, yep. 20 minutes left, the, the whole series is on the line. What do you remember about what was said in the dressing room during that? we that? weren't going to lose. And who was saying that? Was, was it the coach? Was it the players? No, tell tell the me players. what happened in that dressing room. I, I, the players were saying it. I'm... I mean, uh, I tell you, after that first game, I remember saying to some of the guys, and my brother in particular, and some of the other guys, we're, we're not going to lose this series. We will win this. That team, we're becoming a team, I says. And if we're, be, we're a team, that, that team can't beat us when we're at our best. And, uh, and we did. We ended up winning. And for, good for us. But it could have very well... I sometimes think, what would have been the consequences had we lost? That's a good question. <laughs> I, don't e that? I don't even want to contemplate that. And, uh, and I remember felt. saying to Serge and Guy Lapointe and, and Kenny and some of the other guys that played in Canada, I said, you guys are the guys. I mean, you won't be able to walk around, this, around the, down the street. I said, I play in Boston. I said, my brother plays in Chicago. You know, I mean, uh, what would be, I mean, people don't give a damn down there. Don't, nobody cared in Boston. Nobody cared in New York. Nobody cared in, in uh, Chicago. But they certainly cared in Canada. And if you played in Canada, you had to bear the brunt. I said, so we better win this, guys. You won't be able to walk down the street. Anyways, we're listening to Phil Esposito uh, talking about the Summit Series and some other things. Phil, I've got to ask you a question about uh, something that is a very sensitive subject to you, I'm sure. And if, if, if you choose not to want to talk about this, we, we fully understand. Go um, ahead. But you lost your daughter yes. a couple of years back. Yes. And um, tell me how that's changed your life. Well, it's changed my life to absolutely despise um, universal health care. Okay. Because he couldn't, she couldn't get an MRI and because uh, she lived in a little town in Germany. Oh, this was in Germany, okay. Yeah, and she had to, it was the only place where she can get the MRI was in Dusseldorf and with three kids, she kept driving around the kids to go to hockey, the three boys in three different ages. And she just didn't go. And it was funny because four days, four days before she passed, I told her I'm sending her a ticket. 
I wanted to come back. I had doctors lined up. I had MRIs lined up because she had complained and complained and complained about her stomach. And she says, okay, I'll go to Dusseldorf. And I said, have you made an appointment? She said, yeah, it's six weeks. I said, six weeks? You've already gone too long. And um, I remember saying to my wife, I think I'm going to get in a play. I'm going to go. i got to go over there. I said, because she doesn't sound right, and i got to go over there. And um, next thing I know, I get a call that she, she had succumbed. So I, I'm, I just cannot handle that, you know. I cannot handle. Sure, if you live in a big city, you can get them. You live in a small town, you can't. Anyways, Phil... That's, my father and I used to argue yeah. about this all the time, by the way. I'm sure you did. You're, you're talking to a couple of paisans here, so... Uh, oh, okay. We, we, we understand the dynamics of an Italian and, household. And from Sault Ste. Marie to Boud, <laughs> we, we do. Yeah, and uh, I, I, I just... I, I sometimes just think that, um, you know, how much... I, I don't want the government running my life. I don't. Yeah. I want to be able to fend for myself and uh, and do whatever I have to do and I'm not I'm not afraid to work for it. Phil, uh, unfortunately, we'd love to talk to you for uh a lot longer and we certainly hope we can get you back on the show maybe at some point talk about the Tampa sure. Bay Lightning and uh some things yeah. a little bit more a little subject. bit a little bit more current. We'd certainly love to have you back and we certainly want to thank you so much for coming on and sharing your memories and sharing your sensitive story about about your daughter. And um, we wish you all the best. And uh, well, Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks so Thanks, much. Thanks, Phil. Have a great okay, day. You can take care. Bye-bye. Anyways, that was uh, the legend, Phil Esposito. Uh, we've had uh, a really incredible uh, last couple of minutes here. Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito talking about uh, some great memories. Anyways, we've got, to go, we've got to go to break, and we'll be right back. It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when I got my fill. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. You get two Ponzerati with two toppings each, plus two big Pepsis, the deal is a peach. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Just $13.99, that's low. For show, let's, whoa. Ponzo Combo, Ponzo Combo. Visit pizzaville.ca or call 736-3636. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steels Paint, 4190 Steels Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Settler for Alt Infinity and Bond. Car buying made simple. That's what Alt Infinity is all about. No stress, no hassle, no nonsense. 
Just fun and easy and rewarding experience that will put you behind the wheel of a fabulous new or used Infinity. Expert sales staff, superior service, and the largest selection in Ontario. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's what makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. Alta Infinity, Woodbridge.com, at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Striving to inspire you at every turn. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour is a paid program. Opinions expressed on the show are those of Naz and Wally and their guests. The only thing I love more than sports is sports radio. Take it away, boys. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Good morning. Welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, live from Liberty Village on the AM740. Um, Naz, incredible. Paul Henderson... Phil Esposito, 42 years later, uh, what what a blast uh, retelling those old stories. Phil, Phil, Phil could have spoke to noon today. Yeah, the way we, you just you ask him a question, and he just goes on, and uh, very informative. Uh, it was a, it was a pleasure. It was a treat and an honor to interview two guys like that. Absolutely. Sure. Now it's time for our uh, wisdom and golf segment with Sean Clement. Sean Clement, www.wisdomandgolf.com. Sean Clement on YouTube. Check him out. Sean, uh, unfortunately, uh, Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito took up most of your time, so we don't we don't have a much we don't have a lot of time left for you here. But it's Ryder Cup Sunday. Tell us a little yes, bit about what uh, what it takes, what kind of focus it takes to play golf at that level. Well, that's the thing. Uh, the uh, I, I would have loved to have continued with your show this morning. I, <laughs> I was just riveted uh, to the stories. Uh, just phenomenal. Um, I, I want to leave you guys today with today's uh, a thought instead of a tip. Okay. When you're looking down at that ball, what do you see? Do you see a golf ball or do you see your target? Do you feel what you're about to perform as far as your swing? Or are you filled up with so much angst that you've got to get it over with quickly? And I know many of you out there are looking down at that golf ball and uh, and wondering the same thing. And, and these guys uh, in the in these uh, matches, uh, the U.S. is up on six of them right now, so they're doing okay. They could it could go either way. Still, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how Jordan Spieth uh, comes through, and hopefully uh, he'll have a nice chain reaction uh, with Patrick Reed and Ricky Fowler. But Fowler is not doing too well, and neither is Bubba Watson, though. So I don't think those two are going to come through. But uh, it, it might go either way. You never know. Tell us a little Let's bit go. about uh, where where our listeners can find uh, what you're talking about today on your YouTube site. Well, it, so so there's two major, two main uh, uh, analogies that I use for you to to get the right feel and the right vision when you're looking down at that ball. One of them is that grass whip. So you, you look at the grass whip video. So grass whip Sean Clement. And the other one is called hammer through and solid contact. And we, we talk about putting a golf ball up against the door frame and feeling how we're going to be squeezing the golf ball through the 
door frame with the face of the club and how we're going to use the weight of the arms and club to squeeze that ball through the door frame. So what you're basically doing is compressing the golf ball in a specific direction. So what you, you line up your door frame to the target, and then you take whatever club you feel you need to get the ball there, and you use momentum, a nice, like I call it a heavy swat, or a, a heavy pummeling action, that you're going to use with very little strain, with a nice velocity, and you're just going to squeeze that ball in the direction you want that ball to go. But if you're looking down at the ball and you don't know how you're going to get the ball in the air and you don't know what that's going to feel like, well, you're in a very precarious position. So you're always going to feel that there's something wrong. Uh, you, you don't know what's going on, and then that uncertainty creates anxiety and that anxiety needs to be getting you know you got to get it over with quickly because you can't stand it uh sean sorry sean uh we're listening to sean clement uh www.wisdomandgolf.com sean clement on youtube and also at the richmond hill learning center up in richmond hill really really quickly sean we've got to move on if people want to improve their golf game over the winter time how do they get a hold of you um, just uh, g- give us a call. Uh, go to my, my website, wisdomandgolf.com. You'll see the contact page there. Give us a call at the Learning Center. Um, uh, we're there uh, Monday through Thursday from 5 in the evening till 9 in the evening. So people come and take their regular hour every week and they polish their swing. Come, we, we go from third week of October till third week of April. When that happens, I kick you out of there and you go play amazing golf. You're ready to play instead of you know, dusting off the cobwebs and, and starting all over again with all that uncertainty. We're going to get rid of that for you. Anyways, I want to tell our listeners that if they're interested in booking something with you over the winter time, they better call you. They better call you soon because I know you book up quickly. So uh, yes, it's a very very popular program. Anyway, Sean, thanks so much for this morning. Uh, it's great to hear from you again, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Okay, guys, have a good one. Have a great thanks, week, Sean. Sean. That was Sean Clement, uh, wisdomandgolf.com. A couple of minutes left, Naz. Um, NFL, are they, are they actually, have they started to play football yet, or are they still cleaning up all the messes that, uh, are, are no, we over still, that? There's we, still messes going on can, in the can, NFL. Can we actually but they start are, watching they, some football? They are playing football, and let's go for the Bills over Houston today in the Houston. Bills? Yeah, I, I just want to talk, I want to thank Mark Kennedy, the T, our TFC expert, Last week, who took me to a uh, FC game, and by the way, I get to the game, and Toronto wins the game three nothing. They had good won. luck charm. Ness. I'm a you good got, luck charm. You got to and they won to yesterday games. too. So I've adopted the Toronto FC as my ride, ride to the playoffs this year, and they're going to do well. That, that's. Do you hear that, Mark? Anyway, since you're doing thanks, Naz, I've got to thank my buddy Shank, um, Stack, who drove me all night from Columbus, Ohio. I was at the Ohio State game last night. If you've never been to a U.S. college football game, and I know you're a big Alabama fan, there's nothing like U.S. college football. Got into the parking lot here about an hour and a half ago, and uh, uh, looking forward to the show being over so I can go home and get to get, get some sleep. But I uh, uh, just want to thank my buddy for his, for his driving duties. Leafs, next Sunday... We're going to do a Leaf preseason show, and we're, we're getting pretty close. We've almost confirmed him, but he's not hasn't signed the contract yet. But uh, we're, we, uh, we're hopeful to have Dion Phaneuf uh, with us next Sunday to talk about the Leaf upcoming season. We're hoping we can confirm him this week for, uh, for next Sunday morning. And 
Leafs, uh, how do they look in the preseason, Naz? Well, it's only preseason. We had this discussion on football. You mentioned it to me today when I said David Clarkson looked good the other night, and, they said, and you said to me, it's only preseason. It's only and preseason, You are Naz. absolutely you correct. Me that. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I, I, going back to Paul Henderson and Phil Esposito, I really want to thank those guys. They made the show uh, an excellent show today, and they had some stories. They could have, they could have talked all day. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I also want to extend my, my, uh, my gratitude. And uh, our time has uh, come to an end for this edition of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to our sponsors and uh, our producer. And we'll see you back again next Sunday morning to talk about the Leafs. Have a great week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.